Good morning, everyone. Okay, extroverts, now's the time to listen. <laughs> Speaking of which, somebody grabbed a whole pile of ENTJ handouts. So, whoever did that, I don't care, I just need them back. No, not yet. Hopefully somebody didn't abscond with the whole thing. Statistically speaking, that is the most rare type, so we, you know, we'll be probably fine, but <laughs> just in case. Just want to let you know, this is going to be back up on the screen at the end, but this, this link right here will take you to this presentation, so if you are the kind of pe person who likes to listen and read later, then I've made accommodations for that. You can go grab this presentation, and it's got all my notes in it, so. What? Sorry. Faster. No. Tina, get me your email before you go, okay? Yeah. Okay. All right, so this morning we're going to talk about type theory and why type. For those of you who aren't ends, then uh, that will be short and to the point. Um, but theory shows us, or research shows us, that I have to do this first because the S's in the room would probably go, what's she going to talk about? Are we, are we going to finish on time? <laughs> um, <laughs> and the N's in the room are like, I don't even want to have anything to say unless you talk theory at least a little bit because I don't know how to handle it if you don't. Um, <laughs> yep, I'm, that's, why we, that's why we're here. We'll talk about the four preference pairs, and then we're going to put the preferences together. So I... The marker's on the other side. So Jung, Jung you've heard of Jung, the, pr the, the guy, Carl Jung, from the 1920s. He's the one that originally started type. He's the one that did the foundational research on getting it started. Um, and then in the 1960s, the mother-daughter pair of Myers and Briggs extended what he had to say and wrote the assessment. So which is, that's often why you hear of type as MBTI. That's actually the assessment for it, not the thing itself. But that's what it is. And I like to think of type as zip code. Are all the houses in a single zip code the same? No. No. Are there some characteristics that are true of many of the houses in that zip code? Yes. Okay. Yes. So this is not to put you in a box. This is not to say this is the only way you are. I, you might have grown way past your preferences. That's entirely possible. Um, but it does give you some sort of idea of what you're going to be like. So I'm going to do one thing really quick, and you're welcome to play along if you'd like. So I'm going to write my name. So how do you think that was for me? Easy. Comfortable. Yep. It's just, it's something I hardly think about. Okay. What happens when I do this? Thanks, Tina. So I just wrote my name with my outside with my non-preferred hand. 
So how do you think, how do you think that made me feel? Awkward. It's awkward, <laughs> difficult, right? Okay. Thank you, and I'll tell you why. Um, this is to show that your preferences are easy for you, but your non-preferences are not impossible. Okay? It is possible to write with your non-dominant hand. It doesn't look pretty sometimes. The reason that mine looks so good is that I'm a control freak, recovering. And um, <laughs> when I was in elementary school, I decided that I needed to learn as much as I could about um, sign language in case I got a deaf kid and writing with my non-dominant hand in case I ever broke my right arm. <laughs> so, my, so you can learn, you can uh, develop the things you're not good at, yeah. Diffi it's just, it's difficult, it's, it's harder to get into it. it, but it's not impossible. All right, let's talk about the four preferences. The first one is extroversion and introversion. This is about how you get energy. This is not what you're capable of doing. By what I'm doing up here, what would you assume that I am? I'm not. I'm an introvert. But that does not mean that I can't stand in front of people and talk. Just like being an extrovert doesn't mean that you can't do a silent retreat. It just means that when you're done, <laughs> it's possible, trust me, Kara Brown can do it, so can you, okay? <laughs> it doesn't talk about capability. It talks about how you get your energy, okay? So if I'm an introvert, well, let's just go through it. I'm, let's start with extrovert, actually. Um, extroverts, this is a 50-50 split, so you stand a, a one in two chance of having whichever side you're on. So extroverts really are about action and interaction. So they like people, and they like doing stuff. Their, their idea of a small group is about 8 to 10, because you have to have enough people to talk to to really think, right? Um, they, they actually talk to think. So if you're an introvert working with an extrovert and they keep talking and talking and talking, they're doing their thinking while your thinking is going on inside your head. <laughs> so they want to try first and then consider. They're friendly and talkative and they're easy to get to know. Also, they may be distracted and talk before they think. And because I talked about this, your personality being a gift from God, at the end of each of them, I'm going to tell you how I see this as a gift to the community of God. Okay? And really, I see extroversion as a gift of community, that extroverts pull people in, and they engage people, and they, they give life to community. That if you had a bunch of introverts sitting around, you might take longer to get there. It's not that you would never get there, it's just it takes longer. So introverts really have a preference for being alone or with a few people. They like to stay, not go. Their idea of a small group is two to three. So if you were trying to set up groups for somebody, you'd know we'd want to know a little bit about whether they prefer introversion or extroversion to put them into groups. They like to consider first 
and then try something. They're going to wait for others to make the first move. So there's jokes about introverts being wallflowers at parties. Well, it's not that. It's just they're analyzing the crowd and looking at where am I best going to fit in and what's the lowest risk for getting there. Okay. You can be unhealthy and the best friend and the most comfortable fit at the whole party is the dog. But <laughs> it's, not <laughs> it's not guaranteed if you're an introvert. So God's gift in introverts is the idea of reflection. Um, without introverts, we'd all be busy going and doing so much that we might not get a chance to stop and think. And I'm a P, we'll talk about that later, but at really at 4.30 I woke up and thought of something new to add to the presentation. <laughs> so <laughs> happens all the time to me. Um, so if there are two of a single type in a house, one of them will likely adjust to be more like their non-preferred type. So if you have two introverts in the house, that would be me, then one of you becomes more extroverted because you, s you need both functions to live. Okay. So I'm still an introvert, but compared to my husband, I am very extroverted. He would, n he would never stand in front of a group and talk, ever. All right. What I'd like you to do is get in introvert-sized groups. <laughs> <laughs> you may move if you'd like. If you are an extrovert and you need some walking time to think, um, you are welcome to do that. I'd like you to tell the person or people you get into a group with what your name is, what your preference is, and what are two activities you might include in a party for a kid of your type. Okay, introverts, I'm going to give you about 10 seconds to think. So can I hear from a couple of extroverts what kind of activities you would have at a kid's party for an extrovert? Twister. Active and interactive. Yep. Water balloons, yes. Yeah? Oh, right. So scavenger hunt of some sort. That ends with, yeah, charades. Okay. Mm -hmm. Introverts, how about you guys? Hide and seek. <laughs> That's fantastic. What else? Board games? Uh-huh. Coloring? Bubbles. Watch a movie. Yeah. Somebody, but somebody said, when in another time I was teaching this, they said um, something like, uh, once upon a child, where every kid is doing their own thing, but they're there together. All right, so next we're going to talk about sensing and intuition. This is the second preference pair, and this has to do with how you take in information and what you notice about the world, okay? This is the most statistically different from the rest. So this, there is a, depending on the research you look at, either a 66 or 75% chance you'll be an S. That means a 33 or 25% chance that you'll be an N. Yeah, I think I'm yep. Yeah. You fall in the majority, Tina. Okay. 
So let's talk a little bit about what the differences are between that. Sensing is, um, anybody guess from the name what this might have something to do with? Your senses, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. So it's and it's they're aware of the reality around them. Um, they like specifics and they trust experience. So really, it has to do with past as well as present. Typically, they are linear, and they prefer to go from part to whole. So they want to know the details first, and that'll take them to the big picture. They want to know what an experience offers to the people around them. They really have, practice for them means confidence. They are confident that they can do something if they've practiced it over and over and over again. They like to master something, then apply it. And I really think that God's gift to us in sensors is that they help us see the world around us. They help us notice the beauty and the wonder of creation. People who have a preference for intuition, yes, Tina carries soft stuff with her so that she can feel it all the time, right? So that's a that's an part of being sensory. Right? Yep. So, intuitives really are about imagination and creativity. Not connected to the real world, by preference. They have a future focus and they are nonlinear. So, if you talk to someone who's really random when they talk, chances are they have a preference for intuition. They really like whole before they get to the parts. They want to know the big picture so that they have a framework where to hang the details rather than having the details and trying to figure out what to do with them until they get that big picture. They like to imagine, but not necessarily execute. They like to learn new skills and then innovate. So they don't want to go for mastery. They want to learn enough to try something new. For them, practice is boredom. Think about that in an elementary classroom. Just saying. So I really think that God's gift in, in not introverts, the reason that you use N for intuition, even though it starts with an I, is we've already used I for introvert, by the way. Okay. So intuitives, their, their gift from God to us is to really help see God in mystery. That, that there, there is a mystery to God, and these are the folks that get that better than others, and so they help us see that. So another generalization I'd like to talk about with preferences is you can have a strongly held preference and a not strongly held preference. This is one of my most strongly held preferences. I don't like operating out of the other one. I can. I couldn't survive if I couldn't be linear. But I am a, I'm, have a preference for intuition, and I very much prefer that to sensing. So. You can have a strongly held preference. You can also have a preference that isn't as strongly held. You're more comfortable working with your non-preferred. I have to work really hard to be sensing. This is why I have notes and I follow them. Because otherwise, I would lose two-thirds of you. And I don't want to do that. All right. 
So get back into your groups, except this extroverted group right here, you need to split up. <laughs> because I'm not giving you enough time for six people to talk, right? So that's the idea. Um, I'd, again, if you didn't meet or talk to this person the first time, I'd like you to remind them of your name, in case they weren't paying attention. Talk about what your preference is on this particular pair. And describe how you like to worship. Okay? And again, you've got about three minutes. So during the open or during uh, the gathering, we've been learning a lot about God languages, right? Um, if you've been coming to the gathering, that you you would have heard about God languages, and I've experienced a lot of times how type influences how your God language comes out. Okay, so um, someone who's an introvert and expressive—that's not impossible. They might, you know, be expressive like this. Someone who's an extrovert and expressive is likely to be this big, right? Sorry, Tina. You might, you might have a, when you're expressive and an extrovert, you are big. Your arms are wide. When you're expressive and an introvert, you're small. And you're keeping it mostly to yourself. Okay? All right. The next preference pair has a gender split. So, it is, <laughs> this is thinking and feeling, and the gender split is that 66% of females prefer feeling, and 66% of males prefer thinking. Okay, so you are statistically more likely to be an F if you're in this room, okay? So this really describes how you make your decisions. It's not whether you can think or feel. Feelers can think, thinkers can feel. <laughs> it's not capability, it's preference, and this comes down to how you make your decisions. So for instance, someone who's a thinker, and I'll go through this kind of fast, because it's probably not a lot of us in the room. Um, so thinkers are really about objective standards. They're analytical. If you have a kid that asks why all the time, beyond the typical two-year-old why, but if they keep asking why past that, chances are they're a thinker. Kay. They like to solve problems, and they notice what's wrong first. They appreciate a personal challenge, and they are fair but firm. These are the rules. You will abide by them. They are more concerned about the content of a message, and they like to be acknowledged for competency. God's gift in thinkers is truth. They are most likely to, to notice and appreciate objective truth quickly. Feelers, on the other hand, the question they really ask is, how will people feel about this? They might be included in that subset of people, but they might not. So it's not, how do I feel about this? It's, how do people feel about this? 
They're empathetic and cooperative. They're great people to have around. They notice what's right before they notice what's wrong. They like to empathize and then make exceptions. So where thinkers are, this is the way, you know, they're going to be firm and they're going to hold to it. A thinker is more likely to be firm and then make exceptions where necessary. Not excuse people, but make adaptions, adaptations for them. They're more concerned about the impact of a message rather than the content of a message. And they like to hear they're doing good work. Their gift to us is grace. But you need both grace and truth. So I want to point out an observation about this. You can have a preference in a job that is opposite of your preference. Case in point is my husband. He is a parole and probation officer. That's about as straight T as you can get. Okay? This is right. This is wrong. If you don't do the right thing and you start doing the wrong thing, you go to jail. Okay? That's T. He has a preference for F. He has a preference for feeling. He's totally capable of doing the T thing at work and turning off his feelings when he needs to. But let me tell you. He's telling me stories. He's identifying with the people when he comes home. He once asked that God would show him what God saw in the people he was meeting with. And he had to ask God to stop about two weeks later because he was a complete mess. Because when he understood how God viewed offenders, it changed the way that he looked at those people. That's because he's an F. Right. Okay. All right. The best example I have of this in my home, I have a preference for thinking. My husband has a preference for feeling. My daughter, who was about three or four at the time, came out and told us that she'd done something wrong. That's the advantage to having a toddler. <laughs> she came out, and I don't even remember what it was. The first thing out of my mouth literally was, do you understand what you've done wrong, and do you have a, a solution to fix it so it doesn't happen again? Okay. <laughs> a little overkill for a three-year-old. <laughs> my husband immediately after I got done talking said and how do you think that made me feel and that's thinking and feeling in a nutshell okay so I would like you to get back into your groups say what your preference is and then why do you think this is your preference what's the evidence from your life that this is what your preference is go All right, so we're going to talk about this last preference pair. This is about judging and perceiving. Judgers are not judgmental. Perceivers are not necessarily perceptive. Okay? That's not where those two words come from. Judging comes from liking to come to judgment, to finish things. It's a lousy word for it, but re remember, this is the 20s. Okay? Perceivers are, they take life as they perceive it. They take it as it comes to them. That's where that word comes from. Okay. We're going to do a relatively short exercise because you all have been sitting all the time, and I know at least for the extroverts, you're probably squirming in your chairs. <laughs> and, and when your bum is numb, even though those chairs are good, your brain is the same. 
So, all right. So as an example, I would like somebody, think about, let me set the framework. Think about a time when you were in school and had a major project at the end of a semester or a quarter or whatever. Okay, when did you get it done? Okay. <laughs> All right, would someone like to anchor the end of the line that says their topic was, oops, that's the middle, sorry. Um, this is the end of the line that says they got it done before midterm break. Would somebody like to anchor this end of the line? Okay, I'm going to have you be over here. Thank you. All right, on the other end of the room, I'd like one, someone to anchor this. I was late to class because I just printed it off. Okay. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle, I'll have somebody come grab this when you come up here. This is the topic was chosen before midterm break. So you started working on it significantly before the end of the term, but not like right at the beginning. You want to come up and anchor that one? Okay. All right. So somebody come on. Everybody come on up and put yourself on the continuum somewhere. It's okay. Everybody's going to be up. Get out of the way. Off the end of this way? Are you off the end of this way? <laughs> you too. questions of either end of the line, but you're all welcome to answer if something occurs to you, okay? So I'm going to say to this end of the line, this is perceiving end of the line, was there some well-meaning adult in your life who said, dang it, you are not going to turn it in the last possible second this time. You're going to start right now when you got the assignment. Is there someone in your life that did, it, did that to you? How would that feel? No, as is there was, is, was there some well-meaning adult in your life, a teacher or a parent who said, you're not going to behave like, you're not going to turn it in late again. They do it right now and start it right now. So it feels restrictive. What else does that feel like? Do you have your best ideas when that happens? No. Uh-huh. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll we'll talk about that, too. Um, so over here, has there been a time when someone didn't get something done and you had to wait? <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> and how did that make you feel? <laughs> Frustrated. Did you do your best work when you were rushed at the end? No. Okay. All right, so on both ends of the line, what are you afraid of when you think about the other end of the line? 
not getting things done. Being rushed. Mm -hmm. Being controlled. Mm -hmm. That could come from either end of the line, right? I'm going to control you by not letting you have your stuff until it's almost too late for you to work. Or I'm going to control you by telling you if you don't get it done, I'm doing your work for you and you won't <laughs> get any credit. Right, so it's not going to be done well if it's done late. Yeah, which would be true for you, right? It's not true of these guys. Sorry. Yes, that's true. You could have procrastinated, not just been a perceiver. There's, there's a difference. You're, you're not going to get done until later. Yeah, okay. So there's that. Yeah, Joe. Smaller deadlines. Yes. Yep. Okay, as you're returning to your seat, thank you very much for playing. Um, I'd also like to say that you can work on backwards planning if you have a perceiver in your life. And I think you're trying to get back to the front. All right, let's talk about people who have a preference for judging because I refuse to say, I probably will, I, but I refuse in my head to say judgers. That's not very nice because what people hear is that you're judgmental, not that you like to come to judgments. Okay, So this is a 50-50 split, so you're just as likely to be one as the other. Judger, see, people who have a preference for judging are scheduled and methodical. They like lists, plans, and predictability. They need time to finish. And they need to finish before they start playing. Sounds like you have a preference for judging, Tina. Yeah. Right. Okay, so they, <coughs> they like surprises, but they'd like their surprises to be scheduled. <laughs> okay. So you would tell your friend who's got a strong preference for judging, we're going to do something fun together at 3 o'clock on Friday, and not tell them what it was, but tell them when it's going to happen. Okay. Because they're scheduling their life far in advance, and if you do the disservice of disrupting them, it's not going to be as appreciated as you would hope. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's that sense of anticipation. 
Okay, so they are externally organized. These are people who generally have a tidy surrounding. Whatever, whatever reasonably clean means to you, right? That is a varying standard based on your season of life, right? Yes. But I've also known people who have a strong preference for J, and they're usually SJs in combination, and they can't handle a dirty house even with toddlers. They run around and pick everything up and put it away and wipe off surfaces every half an hour. That is fairly extreme, okay? So they, have, they find joy in finishing. They find joy in completion. And they like to select the best experience. God's gift from judges is to create and execute plans. If we didn't have that in the family of God, we would all run around and maybe love each other and have a really good time and never get anything done. All right, perceivers, on the other hand, <coughs> are adaptive and they like loose ends. They don't like tidy ends. They like last minute pressure, really works well for them. They like just-in-time interventions. They don't want you to tell them what's gonna fix their life until they actually need fixing. Fun happens during work. It doesn't happen at the end of work. Work is really boring if you don't have fun interspersed with it. Their best ideas really do come at the end, and we saw that a little bit in this line that we did. They like surprises however they come. They don't have to plan ahead for them at all. They are internally organized. I have a preference for perceiving, and when someone finally said, you are organized, you just don't look organized, I about cried because all of my life I'd grown up with your room is messy, you are messy, da, da, you know, all of those things that are true of can be true of perceivers. And to hear someone say you are organized was like life-giving for me. Um, there's joy in process for them, not joy in completion. And they like to experience as much as possible, not just have one experience and decide that's the best. So God's gift to the family of God in perceivers is to take time to experience the here and now and not be so wrapped up in what's coming or what you've got planned, but to be present, aren't we all? So all of your preferences, if you live in a house with someone who has the opposite preference of you, there are times when your preferences will get in the way. But knowing that that's a preference of the person can free it up to be about love, to meet their needs, rather than feeling guilt because you are somehow deficient. Okay. So in, our, in my case, this, my husband has a very strong preference for J, and I have a very strong preference for P. And so I really have to remember that for him to feel comfortable in our house, the dishes have to be done and the laundry has to be done. Those are his two baseline things. So if it's at all possible for me, those are the two things that I do first. But I've had to work that out. I didn't just figure that one out. I had to do a little digging, knowing, okay, you, you're Jay, you probably need a clean environment. And it also helped me really understand that he needed that. It wasn't something that he just liked. That changes the complexion of how you meet each other's needs. Question, yeah. 
-hmm. So, wishy-washy. So, type theory says that you have a preference for something, and that is your preference, period. But that you do, as you get older and more mature, which are not necessarily congruent, <laughs> that you get better at doing your non-preferred functions. Okay? So, it may just be that you're, like, really mature. <laughs> but it also could be... I am a P, and I was raised by two J's. Both of my parents have a pre preference for judging. And so it may, it w when I took this test in, in college, right after being, you know, just after being away from my parents, I came out one point difference on J and P, okay? And that's because I had learned really, really good J adaptation skills because I had to. But that wasn't who I was. That's just who how I was performing. I have a strongly held preference for P, but I didn't even know what perceivers were when I was being raised. Took me a while to figure that out. So that's another thing. There's another story of one of the sessions I taught a while ago where someone thought that they were, um, they had a preference for sensing. And when I'm teaching the longer version of this class, I have everybody write for three minutes about a picture. Aren't you glad you didn't come to that one? Um, but, and then I walk around the room and I start looking at what people are writing. And what I'm looking for is people who are making lists of the characteristics of that picture because they have a preference for sensing or intuition. Sensing, right? So they're going to notice the physical environment in a the picture. They're going to make comments about the things that are there. Then I'm walking around the room and looking for people who are writing a story about the guy that's in the picture, okay? <laughs> Because that's characteristic of N. That's the idea that this picture generates. Yeah. Because introvert is already I. Yeah, so it's that it came second in line, so it lost. Yeah. So if, so when I was walking around the room, I gave this person a slip of paper for N and had him read his story for an, for an example of N. And he was shocked because every other time he's done type, he came out an S. But what he discovered in that day is he was the oldest child in a dysfunctional family. He had to be S. He had to be concrete and here and now and rational. He had to do that. But that wasn't who he was. That was only what he had to be. Okay? So when you learn who you really are, and the next thing we're going to do is go back to the back edge of the room and pick up a copy of the sheet of paper that has a description of your type. I have seen people start to cry. I don't expect any of you to. But I have seen people start to cry when they finally realize they're not alone. That this description of me means that there are other people like me. And I've also had people be horrified. <laughs> How in the world can you explain me so well without knowing me? Okay? So there's pretty extreme reactions, but really, I, what I'm hoping is that you will understand that your personality really is a gift from God. The way you were designed is for to fit, fit a specific need in his family. 
and we can't all be like each other, or the church would be very flat. Okay? All right. So I would like you to do that. Someone, and I'm thinking they're not in the room, absconded with a whole pile of ENTJ. Statistically speaking, that is the least common type, so I'm pretty sure we're not going to need it. But if we do, I have the master. I can get copies. Okay? So, Tina, I'll bring you yours, okay? Yeah. So in this pile right here are the INs. So if your first two letters are IN, they're right here. If your first two letters are EN, they're right here. Put them on the side because statistically it's more likely to have more of those. Those are S's. Right here are ISs closest to the door so you can exit. <laughs> right here are ESs. Okay? So this is going to be very chaotic, and we have eight minutes left. Okay? So don't worry about not getting to your sheet right away. And if you somebody runs out of a pile, a sheet in a pile, let me know because, again, I've got the masters. All right? Ready, set, go. Okay. <laughs> All right, like I said before, this one right here is the most statistically rare. This is the next most statistically rare. And everything in this quadrant is rare. Or special. Okay. Why is that true? Because this is the, these two are the S's rows. The S's are not common. Tina, I'm pointing, I know, I'm sorry. And if you did, if you were waffling on something, like I got Tina too, because she thinks she's an introvert, and I would be willing to bet she's an extrovert. And so, but I can't say for her what she is. I don't get, I don't get to say, oh, there's no way that you're an introvert. I'm not getting you the introvert sheet. I'm only getting you the extrovert sheet. I don't get to define for you who you are. Yeah. Only you get to. Regardless of what your test said, if you learned something today that made you think you were not what your test said, what you think is correct, not what your test said about you. Okay. All right, I have some resources for you. This presentation, again, that link was at the beginning. Here it is again. And then you don't need to know the rest of these because you can get to the presentation and their links. <laughs> um, there, I have collected a spreadsheet. I'm an INTP. Those are, that's my set of preferences. One of the things that are true about INTPs is that we like to go really, really deep with anything we care about. And if you can't tell, I care about this. So I have put a spreadsheet together that's got everything I've ever learned about type in it. That you're welcome to, and all the sources so that you can go look up more information if you're interested. My email is here. You're welcome to email me questions. I will have coffee with people. I will actually read the link to the, to the presentation so they can get all this information one time. Okay. And that is bit.ly slash capital R, capital G, IFT, so gift with a capital G, 2016. It is bit.ly slash r, capital R, 
gift with a capital G, 2016. Okay. I also brought my favorite resources that happen to be in print up here. So if you'd like to come and take a look at those, you can. And you have two extra minutes to get to your next session. <laughs>